Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, happy Easter. Jesus is alive. That is the only claim of Easter. Jesus is alive. Uh, Easter does not say that you had better get your act together. Uh, It says that Jesus is alive. Easter does not offer any oughts or shoulds or musts. Because Easter simply says one thing. That though he was dead and buried on Friday, Jesus Christ stepped out of the tomb on Sunday morning. It was not mythical, fictional, or hypothetical, but actually, physically, and at a specific moment in history, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That is the only claim of Easter. Now, I admit that the account of the resurrection that we are given in the Gospel of Mark is pretty bare. Uh, We do not have Matthew's earthquake or angel of lightning. We don't have John's beautiful account of Mary Magdalene and Jesus where she thinks he's the gardener. Yet, I have to say that for our particular moment in history, I think that Mark provides the perfect Easter gospel reading. Because the resurrection is certainly there, but it almost seems shrouded, hidden in the grief and the fear of the women at the tomb. They just haven't quite figured out what the resurrection means for their situation. And my guess is that we can all relate to that because we have had a lot of grief and fear in this last year, hadn't we? I mean, the loss of normalcy, the loss of hugs, the loss of togetherness, the loss of school, uh, for many, the loss of work, and, you know, on and on and on I could go, and so could you. And for all of us, I mean, all of us, the loss of someone that we loved. The mortality rate in our country in 2020 was up 18%. Everybody lost somebody. And so I think there is a real sense of identification with these dear women as they were headed to Jesus' tomb. Because their expectations seem to them to have been dashed. Their trust in supposedly protective institutions had been crushed. And they had lost someone that they loved. And so on that Sunday morning as they headed to the tomb, they did not expect to find anything but a dead body closed in the tomb. And they were grieving. I mean, they couldn't believe they still had tears left. They had cried so much. Because just two days earlier, before the Sabbath, they had watched Jesus be wrongfully arrested and beaten and Barabbas the murderer set free. They had watched as Jesus was forced to carry his cross through the cobbled streets of Jerusalem. They watched as he was nailed to the cross at Golgotha and jeered by the onlookers as he hung there. They had been there as he drank the vinegar 
And as he called out, it is finished. And as he breathed his last breath. And they had been there as his lifeless body was brought down from the cross and carried the short distance to Joseph of Arimathea's new tomb. Now, over in the Gospel of John, uh, we're told that Nicodemus had been there on Friday, too. Nicodemus, you remember, was the great teacher of Israel who had visited Jesus at night three years earlier. He was the one who heard uh, the now famous words from the lips of Jesus that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. And John tells us that on Friday, Nicodemus had put 75 to 100 pounds of anointing spices on Jesus' dead body, which has had me wondering, why were the women, the women coming with spices to anoint Jesus? It had already been done. Why were they coming? And I think there can only be one reason. They loved him. And of course, this was not a romantic love, but a profound spiritual and familial love. They headed to the tomb that morning expecting to face so much difficulty. They were expecting to face Roman soldiers who would almost certainly be unwilling to roll the stone back for them. They went expecting perhaps to struggle with the stone themselves if they were even allowed near the tomb. They went expecting to face the stench of a body in the early stages of decomposition. They went because they loved him. We do some funny things when we're grieving. I mean, this, this doesn't seem like this needed, really needed to be done, but they were going to do it anyway, and <laughs> they were going to make sure it was done right. I mean, everything else in their lives seemed out of control, but this much they could control. And so... Bravely and determinedly, they went. I wonder if you have found yourself doing something over the last year that, that didn't really need to be done. But just with everything else, it, this one thing gave you at least a, a sense of a little bit of control. I think that is what was going on with these women. Can you imagine I mean, can you imagine the shock and the confusion and maybe even their anger when they arrived at the tomb and found the stone already rolled away? Something's wrong. Somebody has messed with Jesus' body. And they looked in and they saw a young man sitting there on the stone where Jesus had been laid on Friday. And the women were alarmed. Alarmed, it says. Now, that word alarmed in the original Greek is a very strong word. A very strong word. It means to be thoroughly struck with terror or amazement. It means uh, utter astonishment all the way through their whole selves in their bones. Now, they're astonished because Jesus' tomb is open, his body is gone. And there's this young guy in a white robe uh, in there. And he tells them, I mean, he has the audacity to say to them, don't be alarmed. And then he tells them 
the most alarming, unexpected thing he could possibly have told them. He says, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He said, uh, he's been raised and he is not here. He said to tell Peter and the disciples, he catch up with y'all in Galilee. He was a southern angel. Now, this is a message that you and I are used to. And we came here this morning expecting hallelujah. But the angel's proclamation was the very last thing that these women were expecting. I mean, what would you do if you went to a funeral and the minister stood up and said, well, gosh, you know, actually, much to our surprise, the departed has come back to life. He said he would see you at the reception. I mean, if you did not believe it, and you wouldn't believe it, but if you didn't, you would be furious that he would make such a tacky and insensitive joke. But if you did believe it, you would be terrified. Because you would know instinctively that a resurrection like that doesn't get things back to normal. The resurrection changes everything. I mean, normal would have been having Jesus never die in the first place. Normal would have been to grieve at the grave of Jesus. Normal would have been to have to find a way to pick up the pieces after the loss. But the angel's declaration was not normal. It said there is a new reality. Death has been overcome. The grave is not the end of the story. It said that Jesus Christ is God and he is alive and he will be with you forever in this life and in the next. And it had not sunk in yet for these women. And it was alarming. I mean, incredibly unsettling. And they ran away in fear. Anyone here been afraid in the last year? I mean, kind of felt like you needed to run away and hide because you were so scared. And if, that, if that's true of you, then you, I think, know just an inkling of what these women were feeling on that first Easter morning. But what would, what would come to play out in the days ahead was that if Jesus could overcome death itself, then he could overcome their grief and he could overcome their fear. When they encountered the risen Lord Jesus, and they did, their grief turned to joy and their fear turned to hope. Their disbelief turned to faith. Now, of course, there were things that the resurrection did not change in their life. I mean, the religious authorities were still out to quiet the followers of Jesus. The Romans still held a cruel occupation of Israel. And there were many who would scoff at the notion of resurrection, even among the disciples themselves. We'll talk about that next week uh, with Thomas. Life was still hard. The bills were still due and bread still had to be made every day. But as the reality of Jesus's resurrection set in, everything changed about how life was approached. Because let me tell you, when you know Like when you know that you know that you know all the way through in your bones that your sins are forgiven. 
when you know that God Almighty loves you, and that He is for you and not against you, when you know that death is not the final stop and eternal life in God's loving presence is what awaits you, you got hope. I mean, even when things look bad, you've got hope. You have a joy that cannot be taken away, even by terribly sad or scary things. And, and, I mean, there are things in our lives today, certainly, that the reality of Jesus' resurrection can't change. I mean, COVID, still a thing. Opinions about how we are to handle ourselves still uh, are all over the map. You know, we still live in a terribly broken world with terrible things happening nearly every day. But hear me on this. Jesus did not rise from the dead in order to create heaven on earth. He rose to set you free from the bondage of your sin and to offer you eternal life with him. When you encounter the risen Lord Jesus, and, and listen, you can today. I mean, if you hadn't already... I would, I'll be right here. I'd love to pray with you right after the service. I'll be at that big tree right back there. When you encounter the risen Lord Jesus and you know that you know all the way through to your bones that your sins are forgiven, when you know that God Almighty loves you and that He's for you and not against you, when you know that death has been overcome and eternal life in God's loving presence awaits you and your lost loved ones, I mean, even when things look bad, you got hope. You have a joy that can't be taken away even by terribly sad or scary things. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the reality of the resurrection seems shrouded or entombed even by, by grief and fear and by the things that, that cause grief and fear. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how the resurrection applies to our situation. I think the past year has been like that for most of us. But that's when, that's when we get to look Jesus Christ right in His risen face and praise Him that He is greater and more real and more alive than, than we can feel or see at some times. That's when we can return to the only claim of Easter, the claim that changes everything about how we approach this hard and beautiful life of ours. The claim that Jesus is alive. And that is when we preach the gospel to ourselves. That is when we proclaim over and over and over again. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Because Jesus is alive. Amen.